Hi, everybody. Welcome to Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford sitting alongside the one and only Wes Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field. Back from a late night flight, Wes, the return from Massachusetts and the Packers, unfortunately, come up short once again against one of the league's top teams. This time it's 31-17 to the New England Patriots, but... Much like a week before against the Los Angeles Rams, the Packers went toe-to-toe with a darn good team, and once again it was a fumble that really changed the game. Not at the end of the game this time, but on the first play of the fourth quarter when the Packers were in position to take what would have been their only lead of the ballgame. Yeah, basically it comes down to the fourth quarter again, and as we talked about last week, Mike, when you're playing teams that are of that caliber, you have to play 60 minutes, you have to play it right till the end. The Packers went toe-to-toe with them for the first three quarters. Actually, it looked like they were really making a run to finally pull ahead in that game. Uh, They had back-to-back catches from Marquez Valdez-Scantling to end the third quarter for 24 and 26 yards advance all the way to the 34. And unfortunately, Aaron Jones, who's been so, so reliable for them out of the backfield for the last year and a half, a bad time for his first NFL fumble, his first on 153 consecutive touches to start his career. As he said afterwards, didn't protect the ball enough. Lawrence Guy, the former seventh-round pick of the Packers, punches the ball out. The Patriots get it back. And it just turned into sort of a, you know, it, it was the sum of all fears at that point because then the defense, which had really played well in adverse situations up until that point, then relinquishes some big plays. They get gutted on a couple trick plays. The following drive, there's a 55-yard touchdown pass to Josh Gordon, and the Patriots are able to avert disaster. Yeah, I thought the uh, I thought the Packers were were right in this game, right where you wanted to be. A chance, obviously, that possession, the first play of the fourth quarter, that's not something that's going to decide the game necessarily. If the Packers score there, it's not like the game's over and the Packers are going to win. There's a whole fourth quarter, an opportunity to go back and forth. But I do think if the Packers get some points on that drive, whether it's a touchdown or a field goal, I think we are headed for the scenario that we all anticipated, which is that whichever quarterback had the ball last was going to have a heck of an opportunity to win the game. And it didn't happen that way, really. And, and, and you said it best, Wes, the, the defense, I thought the Packers' defense really played well enough to win this game, frankly, but they just kept being asked to do so much. I mean, when you go to the goal line stand in the third quarter, but then the offense goes three and out from starting from the one-yard line, so you can't get any first downs. You can't you know, shift the field position at all. Then you get, a, you get a three and out, but then a roughing the punter, and they get another set of downs. And then the defense stops them again. I, you know, How many times can you call on them? And then after the fumble, the trick play, the Patriots get a touchdown, the offense goes three and out, and the defense has to go right back on the field. Really tough position, and the one big play to Josh Gordon. And suddenly, for the first time in the game, it's a two-score game, and, uh, and the Packers are pretty much finished. You know, it's tough too, Mike, because I, I think – the game plans these last two weeks have been fantastic. I think the Packers did exactly what they needed to do offensively. They had a 13-play drive, a 14-play scoring drive. Yeah, six-and-a-half-plus minutes on two scoring drives. Unfortunately, the one only produced a field goal, but still, the, the you know, 10 points when you're holding the ball for almost an entire quarter. That, that's exactly how you want to do it on the road against a quarterback like Brady. Yeah, they won the time of possession. They got the amount of offensive plays they were looking for. They even won the third down efficiency battle, which I thought was interesting. Uh, with what their defense was able to to do as well against Brady in that offense. But the problem was, uh, when you really break it down and look at this thing, 
I think defensively, in addition, you say, you know, them being asked to do a lot, uh, a lot of tough situations to be thrown into. Jermaine Whitehead, who appeared to be sort of the counter to James White early on in that hybrid nickel package, well, he gets ejected uh, for uh, an issue there. I believe that was with Daniel Andrews. And then you have Blake Martinez goes out with an ankle injury. Kevin King ends up developing a hamstring injury and leaves. Kentrell Bryce, in a really bizarre situation, is trying to jump over a play to avoid a late hit penalty, and he lands awkwardly on his knee. So then you have Tremont Williams and Josh Jones on the back end. The secondary was asked to do a lot uh, with with really relatively little, with Tony Brown also not playing in this game. So A lot of moving parts in the back end there, the way the injuries yeah. went, and, the, and obviously the ejection of Whitehead. But what surprised me is how they actually still played pretty well. I think Antonio Morrison actually had a pretty good game for himself having to step in in the instead of having that hybrid nickel package well they end up having to go like a true run nickel with with you know Morrison playing that role next to Martinez Martinez goes out he takes over the signal caller role uh, for the defense and then Martinez comes back and Morrison gets a big third down sack right. in a situation where where the defense got the ball back so a lot of ebbs and flows to this game but unfortunately Mike you and I know this we've covered this team long enough when you are in these situations, you need to finish strong, and the Patriots did that. They dialed up a couple trick plays. Julian Edelman getting what I guess technically would be a, a, a handoff or a pitch yeah. uh, a pass behind the line of scrimmage from Tom Brady. Well, then he connects across the hash marks over to James White, takes it for 37 yards. That sets up the go-ahead score, and then Josh uh, Gordon um, you know, getting the 55-yard touchdown, Tremont Williams, I thought, did an exemplary job. What he was asked to do on the back end, misses the tackle there, wants that one back, and after that, it was just a little bit too much for them to overcome on the road. Yeah, well, there was no question which team was the better one in the fourth quarter, and last week against the Rams, I really thought the fourth quarter was very much back and yeah. forth. I thought the Packers and the Rams were very even in the fourth quarter of a tight game. But uh, uh, but then the fumble with two minutes to go obviously changed things. This time, it really was the entire fourth quarter. The Packers are right where they wanted to be after three quarters, but then nothing went right in that final stanza. And when that, when that quarterback on the other side is Tom Brady, he's going to make you pay. And, and to Aaron Jones' credit, he's about as stand-up as an individual as you're going to find in that locker room, in any NFL locker room. Uh, and he took ownership for it. He said, you know, that was a momentum-changing play when he had the fumble because the offense yep. came back out. They actually did have a chance to answer the Patriots, but they go three and out and have to punt it back. And when you're facing Tom Brady, I mean, you and I saw it, man. It's amazing. I, I give Josh McDaniels a lot of credit. I knew they played up-tempo. We talked about that in the lead-up. You're not going to get a lot of sack opportunities at Brady. They just get out the ball too quickly. But their ability to go up-tempo, that's as fast as I've ever seen a Patriots offense run with Tom Brady in 20 years. I yeah. mean, they are just snap, snap, snap. It seemed I don't know if they're always like that this year, but it seemed like they did kind of take a page out of the Rams' playbook in that way, getting the line of scrimmage, getting the ball snapped, and letting Brady go to work. Yeah, they started the game that way with the up-tempo, no huddle. The Packers were definitely on their heels didn't really have an answer for James White in the early stages of the game. The Patriots march right down very, very quickly and get a touchdown, go up 7 to nothing. Then the Packers' defense settles in. Then when they, uh, went after the fumble, when the Patriots go back to the, to the no huddle and the hurry up, Packers again are on their heels a little bit. And then I mentioned this to U.S. I don't know if there's any team, any offense, any quarterback in the league that in the midst of no huddle and hurry up is going to run a trick play. Yeah. They they right. don't they don't huddle up and call it and all this. I mean it was it's obviously something that's in their back pocket. They're waiting for the right moment. I have to assume the call is Brady's to make 
and, and you know, I believe it was second down, like second and six or something like that, just in the midst of all the all the regular hurry-up, no huddle stuff, and then bang, the backwards pass to Edelman. They set up a convoy on the one side of the field. They throw it back across to James White. And Brady, I'm sure this wasn't an accident, he caught the Packers there. Essentially, the defensive front was all rotational players for that particular play. Um, or, or at least that that particular right. sequence of downs, and uh, I'm sure it's no accident that that's when he calls the trick play. You've got you've got some of the uh, the number twos who are in there at defensive line, outside linebacker, and and the Packers get caught, and the big play sets up the go ahead touchdown. Yeah, and I mean they just executed down the stretch when you need to execute the most, and uh, you know I, I actually think the Packers did a pretty solid job overall against White. Uh, a bulk of his production might came off of that 37 yard completion, half of his receiving yards, only 2.6 yards per carry yeah it was but, the opening drive and the trick play right. was really James White and then the rest of the game it was it was other guys Cordrell Patterson and, and some others who were chipping in for the Patriots and you got to tip your cap to Patterson and and the Patriots for how they're using him it seems like in that hybrid uh, almost running back role without Sony Michelle it's actually worked out pretty well yeah when White exited the game for a little bit with uh, some type of injury I don't know what it was Patterson they fed him four straight times and got in the end zone with him I mean he finished the game 11 carries for 61 yards yeah Not- he had four he had 40 of those yards on the four carries that uh, gave the Patriots that second quarter touchdown, which also had the 15-yard personal foul on Whitehead mixed in. Yeah, yeah. So it was just one of those days, man, where I, I think you look, they were without Rob Gronkowski, they were without Sony Michelle, but they found ways to move the football. I thought Julian Edelman had a really good productive game for what they asked of him, a lot of total yards for him. Um, but for the Packers, you have to find ways to execute down the stretch if you're going to beat a team like that on the road. Yeah, all right. Well, uh, before I forget here, Wes, we've got a little bit of new sponsor business on Packers Unscripted. The Green Bay Packers get ready for game day with the powerful noise-canceling technology of Bose QuietComfort 35 Headphones 2. Learn more at www.bose.com slash Packers, Bose, the official headphones of the Green Bay Packers. Okay, we heard from Aaron Rodgers after the game. Sunday night, Wes, and you know, quite frankly, some of his his frustrations, lamentations, whatever you want to call it, a lot of the same things we've heard throughout the season: lack of consistency, misthrows here and there, not being on the same page at times, not executing in the clutch. We've seen, obviously, the Packers had some great clutch drives to get wins over the Bears and the 49ers. But there have been these opportunities, and this last Sunday night was just another example of a, of a clutch situation where the Packers just came up short. Rodgers is getting frustrated, rightfully so. He's he's taking his his share of the responsibility. Certainly, he he really regretted one particular play. We talked about the three and out right after the Patriots took the lead. The third down play on that three and out was a sack, which led to the punt. But it was the second down play that he he was really frustrated with himself because that was kind of the classic play action deep drop boot where you're looking potentially for a shot play and the Packers always have one guy running deep down the middle and another guy running um, I wouldn't say a shallow cross but a crossing route as kind of the second option and EQ St. Brown flashed open a little bit on that crossing route and Rodgers went to him right away and after the game he you know, he really regretted that he didn't just hold that ball a tick longer because he thinks he would have had Devontae Adams one-on-one going down the middle for for a shot play and a potentially big play that could have shifted 
things back the other way. But uh, the throw to EQ ends up getting broken up along the sideline, a good defensive play, incomplete. And uh, and the opportunity to Adams was uh, was one that Rodgers just simply regretted. Yeah, and it's tough because I don't usually I'm, – I'm not the Monday morning quarterback type. I don't know what it's like. It's a lot easier when you're sitting up in that press box yeah. and you have that vantage point compared to what you're seeing on the field. But I did say to you on that play – that it looked like Devontae Adams had single man high and he was getting separation. It looked like if Rodgers puts that thing on a dime there, it could have been that that touchdown type play, uh, much similar to some of those 40-yard connections they had in the Rams game that really helped the offense, yep. uh, propelled them in the second half. Could have flipped the game back, no doubt about it. But, but you know, could have, should have, would have. Yep. Those are the situations you're in. But I think that's the tough part about this loss, too, is that it's not like they walked into the Coliseum or they went into Gillette Stadium and just got just pounded and they weren't in the game. They were in both of these games. And as Clay Matthews said after the game in L.A., it's not like they're 5-1. and one. You know, At that point, they were 3-3-1. Three, three and one. They need to find victories. And unfortunately for them, they've got some big guys stepping up for them. Devontae Adams touched down after the game. Valdez Scantling had three catches for 101 yards in the third quarter alone, right. uh, including the 51-yarder to really get the offense moving the ball early, that explosive play you're looking for. Aaron Jones, I thought, got out of the gate really well in this game. Averaged over five yards of carry once again. Rodgers made some clutch throws. Jimmy Graham made his impact, felt finally got in the end zone. But the totality of that is that you have to look at what the Patriots are doing as well. And when you're going up against an offense as as, as dynamic, explosive as, as the Patriots are with Tom Brady, you have to be able to match that series after series, play after play. The Packers got the stops they were looking for early on, but down the stretch just weren't able to counter it. Yeah. And when you look at when you look at the missed opportunities, you know, Rogers talked about, hey, he's just he's gotta find ways to get Devontae Adams the ball more. Forty yards, even though Adams did have a touchdown, but forty yards is is, you know, not enough. I'm sure the the touchdown to Jimmy Graham to open the third quarter. That was the last ball that went Jimmy Graham's way. Yeah. I'm sure that wasn't Rodgers' plan either. I haven't looked at the film, but the way they were trying to guard Graham with Patrick Chung and Graham was making some plays and getting some opportunities, one very well could have maybe should have been a touchdown if not for the defensive holding call, which actually saved the Patriots four points because uh, because the Packers did end up kicking a field goal. But I, I'm guessing the Patriots made some sort of an adjustment on Graham after the touchdown because we just never saw another pass go his way. You look at the end of the second quarter, Wes, the Packers are at midfield. You're down 17 to 10. You're getting the ball coming out to start of the third quarter, so you'd like to have the opportunity for the double up there. You're at midfield. You have third and one. Rodgers calls the uh, uh, kind of a naked bootleg, you know, quarterback keep type of play. To his credit, Adrian Claiborne stayed home on that side, didn't bite on the play-action fake up the middle, and Rodgers isn't able to convert on third yeah. and one when – you know, you get that first down on third and one, you're not very far at all from giving Mason Crosby a chance to give you three points before halftime. So it's it's all of those those opportunities, those chances here and there that get away from you. And when you're on the road and when you're against a guy like Tom Brady, it's it just becomes a big mountain to climb when those opportunities keep slipping away. Yeah, and, and I think that was the difference in this ballgame. I do want to tip my cap, though. I mean, you, you have to credit some of the things New England did offensively. No question. I thought they were very versatile with how they used their talent. They are to, they are who they are for a reason. Yeah, and, and as I thought, as Tremont Williams said, which was a really good point in relation to those trick plays, they're, they're, they're not the type of team that's just going to leave things on the play sheet. If they feel like there's something that they want to utilize in any game situation, they're going to utilize it if it 
feels like it's going to get him yards and production and points. Uh, the Packers actually did play. They prepared. Tremont Williams said they ran the flea flickers in practice. They did some of the stuff that they do with Edelman. But when you get into a game setting, it's different. And another thing I want to tip my cap to the Patriots about, especially looking at their defense, it seems to me that while we talked about in the lead-up to this, there isn't that Chandler Jones. There isn't really that star that they've had in the past. But they have a lot of really gritty guys that in sometimes have been some ways have been cast offs from other places. You look at Claiborne, you look at Lawrence Guy, what he's become in this league. And I think that de- uh, Kyle Vinoy, another one. Sure. The, the guys that sort of develop a chip on their shoulder and they play well. They play hard. They play as a unit. And, you know, for them, they only had five penalties for 30 yards. Packers doubled that up in total yardage for penalties. When those type of things happen, you have a disciplined team that plays hungry. That's the reason they're on a six-game winning streak right now. Yeah, well, and give credit to Stephon Gilmore as well. Absolutely, He's the one yeah. who draws Devontae Adams. I know Rodgers, after the game, was saying, hey, i got to find a way to get Adams the ball more. But Gilmore's no slouch as far as a cover corner goes in this league. I actually think they schemed Adams pretty well in that game. I thought they did some good things to get him open in space. Again, if you hit that big play right there, that changes the dynamic of his box score. So, yep. uh, But, yeah, I mean, you t- yeah, Gilmore did some good things. The safety's playing up over him at times all things they did to take Adams away. And fortunately for them, Valdez Scantling took advantage of some of those. Yeah, all right. Well, uh, another bit of sponsor business here, Wes. At home or here in the stands, we all know that Green Bay fans give it their all, and then it take, that takes a lot of energy. So grab a warm bowl of Campbell's Chunky Soup. It's meaty goodness, fuels the greatness of Packers fans everywhere. Try, de- try the delicious classic chicken noodle soup. Just visit your local supermarket and ask for Campbell's Chunky Soup, official soup partner of the Green Bay Packers. Um, before we go, let's just take a look at where things stand in the NFC North. The Packers officially at the midway point now, eight games in, three, four, and one, not where Green Bay wanted to be by any stretch of the imagination. In front of them, the Chicago Bears at five and three after about as easy a win as it gets in Buffalo because the, the uh, I, I don't even know if the Bears had 300 yards, but yet they put up 41 points because their defense just completely controlled the game, got in the end zone a couple Terry of Cohen times. had like 13 um, total yards in that game. I mean, it's the, the Bears offensively didn't have to do anything, and they scored 40 points. And then the Minnesota Vikings right behind them now at 5-3-1. and one. The Bears had 190 total yards of offense. They didn't even have 200 yards of offense, and they had 41 <laughs> points on the board. It just it doesn't get any easier than that. Oh, sorry to interrupt um, you. No, that's okay. The Minnesota Vikings, who have not had their bye week yet, they are 5-3-1, and one, so they are kind of right on the heels of the Chicago Bears after a victory over the Detroit Lions and what they sack Matthew Stafford 10 times. I believe the Vikings set a a single game sack record for their franchise, which is saying something with, with that defense, not only over the years, but you know, the days of the purple people eaters in the seventies and everything, 10 sacks in one game. Holy cow. But, uh, um, but yeah, Wes three, four and one right now, if you're the Packers, the only thing you can focus on, obviously, is the Miami Dolphins. You have to get this win this week, get back to 500. And then it's about finding somehow, some way to win a road game. You're sitting at 0-4 on the road, and uh, that's obviously that's not going to cut it. The Packers have got to walk out of a stadium, walk out of a visiting stadium with a victory so that they know what it feels like, they know what it looks like. They haven't done it yet this year, and now it's becoming the uh, really the storyline of this season, frankly. We, we can talk about it until we're blue in the face. Certainly their next road game is going to be on a short week at CenturyLink Field. Uh, we know how difficult you and I have been in there, how loud that place gets. Yep. But the fact of the matter is, Mike, that's 
a week and a half away. The Packers need to concentrate now on the Miami Dolphins. One of the strange things about the Dolphins, we'll talk about them in tomorrow's show or in these next couple shows, they actually are getting outscored by 40 points, but yet they're five and four. And Brock, yeah, Oswald they're above. They're playing. above 500. They're right in that wild card mix in in the AFC, and no doubt. They've been protecting the football. Frank Gore has been consistently moving the chains for them. It's a team you can't look past, and you have to get this one at home. The facts are what they are. You're 0 and four right now on the road, but you're three 0 and one at home. You got to get this win on Sunday. It's yep. imperative. Yeah. The, uh, the other thing, too, Miami Dolphins certainly playing some good defense, and you mentioned the Seattle Seahawks in that upcoming trip to CenturyLink Field. I didn't realize this till I saw it on Twitter. The San Diego Chargers, the first team, first AFC team since 2011 to get a victory at CenturyLink Field, which is really the first AFC team basically in the Russell Wilson yeah. era to go into Seattle and uh, and knock off the Seahawks. So uh, um, Seattle, they're going to – whatever happens this next week, both Seattle and the Packers going to have a ton on the line in that Thursday night game because Seattle's sitting there with four losses now as well. Absolutely, and I think it's really uh, – I mean, you give credit to the Chargers. Keenan Allen's healthy again, playing well. Phillip Rivers has been up and down but is obviously at a peak this year. Melvin Gordon's one of the top young running backs in the league. That being said – the, the Seattle Seahawks, we know the, how well they play at home. So to have that performance, to have a you know pick six come back at them, yep. um, that's not how they play football. So it's going to be interesting to see how they respond to that too in, in another week and a half and, and where that game stands because, yeah, there's going to be a lot of implications involved with it. All right. Well, for now, we are going to call it a wrap on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team on Packers.com. On Twitter, he's at Wes Hot. I'm at Mike Spofford at Packers for the team account. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We'll see you next time.